edition of the sword and staff i'm one of your hosts josh robinson and joining me today as always is my co-host richie brock and on this week's chinwag edition of the sword and staff we're going to be discussing several things first we're going to go back and we're going to reflect on last week's episode that we did on ufos and then we're going to do a few film reviews uh the first one will be uh a film called The Cosmic Hoax by Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh, and then the next one that we're going to be looking at, it's going to actually be um, reviewing a two-season series called Hellier. Um, so if you guys have never seen those, uh, you need to go check those out because this episode is all going to be related to those. You can actually find both of those for free on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, his uh, Cosmic Hoax um, movie uh, just released on July 4th. So you can find it there for free on YouTube and you can also find the uh, two seasons of Hellier there for free as well. And so also we might get a little bit into uh, Disney Plus's Loki. We'll see how much time that we've got. On I was going to say, yeah, we'll see how much time that we've got on this episode. I really want to talk about it because I really, really have enjoyed it. And today was the season finale of it. So I know anyway. you're pretty excited about it, so let's get into it. Oh, oh, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get into it then. Then we can we can review uh, last week's uh, Spiritual Beings episode. So the thing that I loved the most about Loki um, was it followed the pattern of the hero's journey. Um, and so if you guys don't know what that is, you can Google it. You can check it out. It was really brought out by a man named Joseph Campbell. Um, but basically the hero's journey is, is this, um, kind of device that's used in storytelling and has been used in a lot of, you know, stories across the world. A lot of the greatest stories that you've heard about and that you know about, um, it's kind of structured around this thing. And Loki was, uh, was also used with this, uh, it also used this plot device. And so it was just really, really interesting what they were doing in the, the episode. The thing that I like the most about the series is that uh, through the hero's journey, Loki he's transformed, for lack of better words. Yeah. Like, and he he goes on a journey that's really similar to say uh, Odysseus in the Odyssey or uh, Aeneas in the Aeneid. Um, you could say that in some ways it's it's maybe even similar to. Uh, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings and his uh, experience that he has uh, at Casa Doom whenever he goes and he fights uh, Balrog and he's resurrected. Very like all in like all of these stories. There's there's a lot of overlap, but uh, and I'm not going to draw all all of it out. I'm just going to touch on the my favorite part, which was when if you're listening to this, spoiler alert: uh, Loki goes into what's called the Void, and that that's basically where people um, in the in the show. Uh, whenever they've been, it's called prune, which is basically you're, you're killed. Uh, you end up in what's called the void. And it's basically this, 
void at the end of uh, this, what the sacred timeline. And um, it's very similar to like the underworld in some ways. Like it's the, it's the realm of the dead, same concept. Um, Yeah. You know, but Loki ends up there and he has this like, Gandalf moment like or an Odysseus moment or an Aeneas moment like he goes into the underworld and the interesting thing about all of these stories is that whenever the hero goes in the underworld they're always faced with some sort of beast overcome right like like I said like Gandalf he's got the Balrog right Um, and it's the same with a lot of these other stories as well and so it's it's the same with uh Loki. He has this uh this thing to overcome and in the process of overcoming it he's changed. And so whenever he finally well for lack of better words experiences resurrection <laughs> where where he comes back <laughs> out of the void um he's changed by it. You know what I mean? Like he's uh it's really interesting because Loki in in Norse mythology and that type of stuff. He's, he's a trickster, right? Like he's the God of mischief. Um, but the interesting thing is, is it's, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's no longer the trickster whenever he comes back out. Like he's, he's changed by it and, uh, he's changed by the hero's journey and he comes back out and he has the opportunity to revert to his own ways or his old ways. And rather than doing that, he, he doesn't do it. Like he's, it's, it's really, really interesting. But the thing that, that interests me the most, I think about it is I think that in some ways, um, it almost reflects the journey that we're on as Christians in some way. Um, the, you know, the hero's journey in some ways is very much like the journey of discipleship in, in Christianity. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you can see a lot of overlap there, but the thing that I, I think that's interesting is I think that in some ways it relates to baptism because in baptism, uh, it's, it's a very similar thing. Like, in, you know, in the biblical worldview, um, you have this three, uh, realm or three tiered kind of cosmology, right? You have the heavens above, you have the earth beneath, and then you have the waters beneath the earth. And, uh, whenever scripture talks about like, uh, the underworld Hades, right. In the old Testament, um, it's pictured as, uh, this, this realm beneath the earth and it's associated with water. So like one of the places that you see that is, um, you see that explicitly like with Jonah, right. Jonah goes into the belly of the great fish. And then whenever, uh, he's taken down into the sea, uh, it talks about that he's in, you know, Hades, he's in the underworld. You know what I mean? Uh, he's in the heart of the earth, that kind of thing. And so anyway, um, that it, in some ways, uh, it, it relates to the, the journey that happens in our baptism. And I think that a lot of Christians don't really think about this, but you know, Christ, uh, you know, Christ, he does the same thing, right? It's, it's the same journey in some ways. Uh, he's, he goes, he, he dies, and then upon dying, he spends three days like Jonah in the heart of the earth, right? In the underworld. And, you know, Peter yep. talks about uh, that while he's there, he condemns, uh, he pronounces condemnation upon 
the spirits that were in gloomy chains from the days of Noah. Uh, Peter talks about that. And um, so it's, it's, you can see some overlap here, right? Between the Christ story and also some of these other stories that are out there in, in myths and TV shows and stuff like that. The difference is, is that Christ story is the true myth um, as Tolkien and Lewis would, would say, but anyway, um, but in baptism, we are following the way of Christ. Like Paul talks about in Romans chapter six, that um, we're united to Christ and that we are buried in baptism in a death like his, and that that we're raised and resurrected like him. And then we're raised to walk in newness of life. So our baptism in some ways is like a miniature version of this story. (laughs) And that's been really, that's been really interesting to me. Like it's uh, like in the same way that Christ goes into the underworld and proclaims to the spirits that death has no hold over him. We do the same thing in our baptisms. Like we also go into the waters beneath the earth and we rise out just like Christ does. So it's, it's almost like a, a miniature odyssey. <laughs> like, like, and I think that a lot of people don't think about baptism that way, or it's, uh, it's, a uh, the way that I said it, it's, it's almost a miniature cause of doom moment. Like where Gandalf goes down into the abyss and there he fights the Belrog and then he's resurrected. So it's, it's very similar to that in some ways, our baptism. That's the same type of language that Paul uses in Romans six to, to talk about our baptism, that it's, it's, it's a ritual death, right? Um, that you are, you have died with Christ. You have been buried with him in a death like his, you know, that type of thing. So just, so that's, that's been some of the things that I've been thinking about with, uh, with, with the Loki series. Um, you know, I won't spoil all of it. Uh, I spoiled, I've just really spoiled the majority of the plot, but (laughs) yeah, but I won't spoil all the details. Um, but just, yeah, if you guys are watching it, um, and checking it out after you've heard this, look, kind of go back and and look for that. Right. I think that you'll be able to see it. And I think that you'll find that pretty interesting. And there, in the last episode today, there's an actual, a direct reference to the hero's journey in it. So it's like, not just me, like imposing it. Like uh, I sent, I actually sent it to you earlier where, uh, and you, and you called it from the beginning too. Yeah, I actually, it's so funny. Like I I was, I was so proud because like, (laughs) um, like a month ago, like as the first episode was coming out, I could see the pattern setting up like right off the bat in the first episode. And I'm like, okay, if this follows the pattern of the hero's journey, I'm like, here's exactly what's going to (laughs) happen. Like it's going to happen in this way. And here's a couple things that could happen along the way. And like everything that I said that would happen, like happened because like it follows. It was spot on. Yeah, it follows the pattern. I actually posted that on my Instagram story today because I was so proud of it. So, but uh, yeah, if you guys <laughs> if you guys haven't watched Loki, go go watch Loki. It's really I think it's one of the better things that Marvel has done. Like I, the the score, uh, the music to it is just oh, it's phenomenal, and the acting in it is just is phenomenal. Like Tom Hiddleston, uh, Owen Wilson, those two like they are great together. Like it's, they have a lot of, of chemistry and I think it's one of the better shows that, that Marvel has put out. And I think that whether they, whether they know it or not, um, they're using a Christian pattern in their show. (laughs) And 
you know, so you can use it as yeah. a off point to talk about the gospel. And yeah, so I, I think that that's really interesting. So anyway. All right. Well, I didn't make it out of the first, I don't know how many minutes without talking about Loki. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So that kind of derailed things a little bit for this chin wagger off the bat, but anyway, let's no, it was needed. It was needed. Yeah. It was, it's a fun show. So, um, so let's talk about the last, the last episode that we did. So we just completed spiritual beings, uh, part two, where we talked about, yep. UFOs, UAP, uh, aliens, you know, that type of stuff. What was it you thought, what did you think about the episode? Was there any, anything that surprised you? Maybe any reactions to it? Um, anything that you want to go back in and say that you didn't say anything you want to clarify? Um, besides our usual technical difficulties that we have, that we've been having with these episodes. I mean, with my mic going in and out and the Wi-Fi issues, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we've had some feedback on it from people who said that we pretty much covered the gamut on it. And I think what we're going to get into in this episode about Hellier later on, I think we'll address some of the comments and feedback that I've received personally. I know, especially with Dr. Greer's uh, CE5. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that'll that'll definitely touch on and expand on a lot of the things that we talked about in that episode. Like, so for example, I know that we mentioned CE five and you know, that yeah. kind of, that kind of stuff in the, in the episode, but we didn't really dive into that quite a bit, you know, that type of stuff. So we'll, we'll be able to do some of that in this episode. So I can't think of anything that I would want to add to it. Um, so, so yeah, but that was, it was a good episode and I'm, I get, I'm really looking forward to the next episode that we do, um, where we're going to talk about cryptids. Yeah. And it, it was just a massive topic. I mean, we could have stayed on, we could have stayed on the podcast for like two days and still just had plenty to cover. Yeah. Yeah. There was a ton of stuff that we could have talked about. So yeah, it was as we were developing the outline for it, that was one of the things that was difficult for me. Like if you remember like a week and a half ago, I'm like, how am I supposed to fit all of this stuff? Like how am I supposed to fit all of this stuff into an outline? And so I was really struggling with it, but you know, all in all it, it came out. I felt like that the, uh, the content that we talked about that we talked about in the, um, the uncut part, was really interesting and um yeah i felt like that it was presented well and you know it wasn't super conspiracy theory <laughs> theory-ish you know like you get with a lot of episodes <laughs> but one of the one yeah. of the episodes that or one of the comments that we got was i can't remember i think it was actually uh from one of our patrons uh said that he really that he he listened to a lot of other podcasts out there that talked about similar things uh that we talk about um but uh he really appreciated yeah. that we address these things directly from scripture. And so I was, I was really happy about that, that, that we are presenting something that's, that's pretty unique. And even among people who are talking about these kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty happy about that. So, but yeah, I don't think that I have anything else to, 
to add to that episode. So, all right. So that'll move us on to the next part of this week's Chinwag, where we're going to review Dr. Stephen Greer's most recent film called The Cosmic Hoax. And so, Richie, this is a little bit oh, more of, of your world than it is mine. Okay. Like I said, I've, I've told listeners, I'm kind of, I've, I've been a, a pastor now for half a decade, um, which is not real long. Um, it sounds longer than it really is. Half a decade sounds official, but it's, <laughs> but it's not really that long. Um, yeah. and so, you know, over the past five years, um, I've gotten into some of these things, uh, more because of the things that I encounter in pastoral ministry. You, on the other hand, you've spent a majority of your lifetime here. And so this is kind of your wheelhouse. So, um, to kind of get us started, who, who is Dr. Stephen Greer and why should people care about what he's saying, um, and what he's doing just from your perspective? Um, I first started hearing about Dr. Greer probably about 10 years ago, but he started really making waves in uh, the UFO community back in the nineties. Mm. He started the, the really the big push for disclosure, getting together with world world leaders, uh, uh, leaders in the CIA, the Pentagon. And it's just recently that people have been catching on to his, um, his CE five techniques to yeah. where he's, it's initiating contact through focused intention. And it's really just, plain repackaged occultism. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, how I came across uh, Dr. Greer. Um, he has a film out there. Uh, I think it's, I think it's also free. I think that you might be able to find it on YouTube. If not, then it's definitely on apps out there like Tubi. Um, but it, it, I think I watched yeah, it. On he has Hulu. a few. Yeah. I think that I watched it on Hulu or something like that a while back, but it's called unacknowledged. And yeah. um, in the film, he brings up like he's, he's big, big time into the disclosure community. Um, you know, talking with world leaders and advocating for UFO disclosure and things like that. Um, but the thing that really put him on my radar was, um, he's an advocate of what has been called the CE five movement or the close encounters of, of the fifth kind. Um, and basically what it is, what CE5 is, is it is bas- basically, this is me using pastoral lingo here. <laughs> you use the language of, of focused intention and, and that kind of stuff. Um, to use my lingo, it's kind in, in some ways, it reminds me of spiritual disciplines to contact UFOs. <laughs> like, that's what it reminds yeah. me of. Like, you know, in Christianity, we have spiritual disciplines, right? Like prayer, fasting, you know, all those types of things. Um, And that's really what CE5 reminds me of is like, it's a, it's like spiritual disciplines to contact UFOs. And you said something there and it was the first thought that I had whenever I saw it is it's almost like, it's almost like repackaged occultism. Um, It's basically using like, ritual ritualistic type things to contact otherworldly beings like yes like it it, yeah yeah, like it's that's basically what it is like it's it's kind of packaged in you know like quote-unquote scientific like jargon and lingo and like some new age type stuff as well but 
that's basically what's going on with it. Like it's, it's, that's what it reminds me of. It's basically repackaged occultism um, just with a new agey uh, UFO type spin to it. So that was really what put him on my radar as well. So, all right. So, so I know know he's a Buddhist, but there's, uh, there's really no difference in what he's doing today and what the likes of Aleister Crowley was doing in the early 1900s. I mean, it is almost the exact same process. Yeah, right. He's using he's using rituals and taking people out into like the desert, and they're doing like rituals yeah. to contact beings from other worlds. It's it's literally repackaged occultism, <laughs> and so you're right. Uh, that's yeah. It's it's literally this. You know, the the lingo and the jargon may be a little bit different and, and that kind of stuff, but at the end of the end of the day, it's very much the same thing. And really, I think that his latest film, the cosmic hoax, I think it's really aimed at trying to discredit that in some ways. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more, but I'll, I'll ask you what exactly is the cosmic hoax and what exactly is it that, that Dr. Greer is trying to prove in this film? The cosmic hoax and in, in his opinion is that all you ET, ET UFO contact is all peaceful and benign, that the real enemy behind the scenes is humanity, the government, world leaders. And the whole hoax scenario is that through a, a, a false disclosure that the world is trying to unite under like this one world government against the ETs, like they need a common enemy to bring people together. It's like, kind of reminds me of what Reagan talked about in his speech to the United Nations. exactly what I was about to say. I was about to bring up Reagan. So that was kind of my take on it as well, is that basically what, what the film is aimed at is to discredit views out there that aliens are, or UFOs, ET, whatever, uh, are malevolent or have any type of malevolent contact. Like he, he basically paints the picture that all ET are benevolent um, and that, that we are the ones like governments, you know, those types of things that we are the ones who are really the perpetrators of uh, the negative things that come with those contact events. Like, um, you know, like cattle mutilations or, uh, sexual assaults yeah. that come with those. Like he basically tries to spin it um, from that perspective, which is really, <laughs> which is really a crazy to me. It seems like a really gutsy move because that's a, that's a big time claim, right? I mean, yeah. you are literally saying that something that millions of people have experienced for decades now, uh, I mean, there's tons of reports out there about, you know, within contactee community, in the contactee community and that type of stuff, who have had experiences that are not good experiences. So to me, it's, it's, it's a, uh, a gutsy move to, to say that what these people experienced, um, one, isn't real. And that too, maybe there, there's some ulterior motives going on here with some of this stuff. Uh, I mean, 
in my mind, there's no way that that kind of claim could be substantiated. Like, <laughs> like there's no way, you know what yeah. I mean? So, well, I'll ask you this. I know his, his, his work is very, uh, UFO cult right now. And that's, it's pretty scary stuff. Well, that's, that's, that's really kind of how I felt watching the film as well. Like I remember I, we were watching it and I can't remember. I, I said something along the lines of this is UFO religion. <laughs> like, like that was exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is UFO religion. Like it's it, like, it, it has this, it has like this meta narrative to it. You know what I mean? And, and the, the narrative again, that Dr. Greer spins is basically what we talked about in our last episode, which is eat these ET. They, they are here to bring us transcendence. They're here to um, like, you know, they're here to stop us from um, doing these things. You know, he basically, he basically claims that all of the negative things that, that, have been said about ET that they're a threat to national security, all this stuff. He basically says that it's a, it's a false flag, a false flag, you know, and uh, that it's, and so, and then he gives you like this narrative on what they're actually here to do. They're here to bring transcendence. They're here to bring salvation, that type of thing. And then he gives you a set of spiritual disciplines uh, to, to use to contact them. And then at the end of the movie, he almost gives you like this type of creedal thing where they made this type of, uh, what was it? It was a type of declaration. I wish that I would have pulled it up for this episode. But at the end of it, it's that declaration that he talks about for one universal people. Yeah. It's kind of, it's really kind of interesting too, because he, he kind of almost spins like a, you know, kind of a social, social justice element to a lot of this stuff that he's talking about in this film. Like he, he kind of, takes social justice uh arguments and applies them to ufo and et like that to say that uh like for example he uses this argument to say that ufo et uap whatever uh whatever lingo you want to use there to say that they are um evil spiritual being or or that they're not here with good intentions or whatever he he thinks that that's like a type of cosmic uh racism <laughs> like i think he actually yeah. he i think he actually uses like maybe even that lingo or it was a it wasn't what was it he said it uh, he says that it's like a cosmic species speciesism type of deal you know yeah which is which is interesting and i, I think at the end of the day um, I think that some of the issues though, that Dr. Greer runs into is, um, well, I think the first one is like I brought up earlier, the evidence. I think that there's a lot of evidence that's being ignored there. Um, without a doubt there, there is contactee literature out there that talks about, uh, some of the negative experiences that people have had. So I think that that ignores that. And then I think that another thing that's going on here too is that there is a type of – that basically his view is, is basically just materialism, that there is no spiritual dimension to these beings. 
Um, but then at the, the the thing that's super sneaky about it though is at the end of the the, the film, it, he he kind of lets go of the materialism and then sneaks in a spiritual aspect to it that's that's religious with the CE five stuff. So yep. I, so that's that's kind of my take on it. Like I said, I, I'm approaching this as a, as a pastor. This isn't necessarily my wheelhouse. Uh, it's it's becoming more that's and more. Fun. It's becoming more and more my wheelhouse as we talk about this stuff and dive into some of this stuff. But uh, anything that you like, so we've, we've critiqued the film, uh, but is there anything that you liked about the film? Because there were some things that I did like about it. Like, I think that he points out that there are some real issues out there, which is like there is documentation of uh, governments contacting beings like this. Like, I mean, we talked about that in some of, Oh yeah, we've, we talked about some of that in our, our last episode like in the uncut part. Right. So like he points that out that this is a reality and he even, you know, talks about some of the documents that we talked about. And then he talks about more than we did. Um, I just think that the answer that he provides to the problems are uh, not good, I guess is what I would say. You got anything you want on? Yeah. You got, you got anything? Um, Not really that I can think of. I mean, I, I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. Well, there's a, a major similarity, I think, uh, between Dr. Greer's cosmic hoax um, and the thing that we're going to talk about in the next segment of our Chinwag edition, which is Hellier. So, yep. you were the one who turned me on to Hellier, <laughs> and I've watched yep. I've watched all two seasons uh, a couple times. I think now, uh, or at least close to a couple times. Um, and I suspect that th- this review that we're fixing to do on Hellier, there's no way we're going to be able to, to do it justice in this single chin. We might not even get to, yeah, to, it's going to probably take more than one episode. Yeah. It's, it's for sure going to take more than one episode. That is for certain. And the reason why is because it's, it's two seasons. Um, and not only is it two seasons, but there are just a lot of things going on in this show, like a lot. So much to unpack. Yep. There's a ton of stuff to unpack in it. So, so if you guys have never heard of Hellier, um, I'll, I'll start us off with this. And Richie, you can you can kind of walk us through beginning a conversation on this. Um, so let me let me preface it with this: um, Hellier is for free. You can go and watch that on YouTube, right? Just like the the last film that we talked about. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you should go watch it because some of the things that um, are going on in this series and some of the things that Richie and I are going to talk about are going to be relevant at some point. <laughs> like you're going to encounter some of this stuff out there in the world yeah. um, because there is a worldview that is being put forth uh, just like in uh, the cosmic hoax. There's a worldview being put forth there. It's the same with Hellier as well. There is a worldview being put forth there. And it's something that we need to, to think about. Uh, it's, and it's something we need to be familiar with. Um, and I've got so much that I could say about that. Um, I'm going to try my best to not talk about it all right now, but I'll just start us off. What is Hellier? Um, and um, what is that? And, and who are some of the people who are involved with that, that, that are notable? Well, Hellier uh, mainly follows the casework of, Greg and Dana Newkirk. Mm-hmm. I've had my eyes on Greg and Dana Newkirk 
for the at least the past few at least five or six years. Yeah. I used to follow their blog, Week and Weird, and they were they get into a lot of really kind of out there stuff. Like it's not your typical pop culture paranormal stuff. Yeah, it's a like lot that's of what kind of, that's what really stuff. drew me to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whenever so you, I, I've, it's been probably two years since I've been kind of following some of their work and, um, the, the very first thought that I had whenever I came across Hellier was, wow, this is not like the paranormal type of stuff that I see on TV. It's very, yeah. it's very unique, right? Like, um, like even even the method of investigation that's being used in Hellier is not the standard type of paranormal methodology that you would see out in the field, right? Like I like if you watch a lot of the the type of shows out there, or if you've ever been involved with it, like it's the methodology it's used. There's a lot of gadgets and things like that, right? Like where you know, you're, you're checking things like, you know, EMF and, you know, you've got temperature, you're taking, checking temperatures and then you're checking for, you know, EVP and, you know, there's all kinds of different things like that going on, but that doesn't seem to really be the type of methodology that's being used in Hellier, is it? Not really. It's, it's, it's a very alternative way to come out investigating. I know they use, uh, different occult tools and in, in their investigations they like the tarot mm-hmm. they they both practice magic i know dana is uh considers herself a witch a hedge witch yeah and that's kind of what drew me to it. not only uh how far out there they are compared to where other investigators the way other investigators work in the field but yeah. just the content i mean i found them at a time when they were really digging into some high strangeness here in our area like they were looking into the a Hopkinsville Goblins case and the stuff going on in Mothman and Point Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. That was some of the things that definitely drew me to it as well. Um, so let's talk about the Hellier case, like what's going on. And well, like, this is the, this is the case that the show derives its name from. Right. So, yeah. um, so the thing that drew me in was the fact that Hellier, Kentucky, which is where, you know, some of this, some of this show is set, uh, is like an hour down the road from me. <laughs> like, like my, like my yeah. brother, my brother-in-law lives in Pike County, Kentucky, like right outside of Hellier. So like, this is local to me. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why I tuned in and, and that, and just other than I was curious and you had turned me on to it and you're like, you need to check this out. But um, so what's going on? What why is the show called Hillary? What is it? What is it? And what's going on here in this this case? Oh, well, Greg and Dana started getting emails from a man who called himself David Christie, right? And the guy started uh, talking about seeing these, you know, these hairless, uh, lipless, lidless, pale beings that were coming in out of mines on his property that were uh, very interested in in these children that would uh, try to kidnap the dog. And it was an exchange of emails that I think went over a couple of years back and forth. Yeah. And, and they were in coal mines, Greg right? And Dana, oh yeah. They yeah. were in the coal mines down there, down there in Kentucky. Yep. And then Greg and Dana got in this back and forth with him. And when they finally were able to get down there, the emails just stopped and yeah. David disappeared. 
Yeah, it just kind of falls off the face of the earth, right? And then, yeah, then they get some follow up emails from an interesting character named Terry Arrist, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, right. Which is, you know, they're they're doing some other, you know, uh, doing some exploring in some other places, and then they get the emails start again. Um, but anyway, they they end up getting down into Hellier visiting there, right? And, you know, they hear some stories here and there of, you know, some strange happenings there and, uh, you know, some of that kind of stuff. But it, it leads them on a type of journey, right? Um, where I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to <laughs> dive too deep into it at the moment. Um, cause whenever <laughs> I said journey, it, it triggered me. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think, know exactly where you want to go. Well, with well I think that it's. I think that the show is structured very similar to Loki, in that it's structured around the hero's journey. Um, yep. And it actually in season two, you like you really see that with Alan Greenfield, where he talks about. So okay, to back up though, before I go down that rabbit hole, um, it's so it, this this journey though leads to a lot of what's called synchronicities, right? Um, which are like it, it, the best way that I can describe what a synchronicity is, um, is it's a type of meaningful coincidence. Um, what seems like a meaningful coincidence or, um, I think that's how they described it. That's not my definition. There, there's a synchronicity, you know, in a Jungian psychology sense out there as well too. And like, if anybody watched the Jordan B. Peterson episode where he talks about uh, with Jonathan Pajot and they're talking about Christ, he talks about uh, Jungian synchronicity where heaven and earth overlap in Christ. So anyway, there's, so there's synchronicity can mean several things, but that's kind of the way that the hellier guys uh, and gals kind of talk about it. It's like, it's this meaningful coincidence and it leads to a lot of dead ends, right? Like the whole first season, I yep. think, I think the entire first season, um, is passing a threshold. Like, I think it's following the path of the hero's journey where you get this call to adventure, which is what the emails are. Um, it's this call to adventure. And then you kind of hit the wall, right? Like you start exploring and you start to explore this call and there's a threshold, right? And then I think that what's going on in season two is they end up meeting their mentor, the person who's kind of like the Obi-Wan Kenobi or kind of like the Gandalf, right? Because all these stories also yeah. follow the same structure. Star Wars follows it, right? Luke, Luke gets the call to adventure, right? And he meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's going to be his mentor. And then it's the same with Frodo. Frodo gets, ends up with the ring, right? And he meets Gandalf. He's going to lead him on this journey. Um, I think it's the same uh, structure with Hellier in season two. I think that they meet their, their mentor, which is a occultist named Alan Greenfield. Right. And he is yep. a Thelemite. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Uh, Thelemites uh, follow the practice that was put forward by Aleister Crowley and the followers of Aleister Crowley. It's uh, a really high order of occultism. Um, it's, pretty po it's not as popular today today you see a lot of chaos magic and that's just not what that is that comes from a more traditional magical setting that you would find yeah like really in new dawn right. stuff that uh hitler and his crew are practicing as well yeah and 
so it's it's interesting though because you know Alan Greenfield talks about whenever he comes up in the second uh, in the second season, like he tells them that he thinks that they're they're on the hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> like so he uses that exact yeah. language and then he tells them that he thinks that the whole thing the whole thing is a ritual that they're being initiated into something and that's what you know rituals do it's basically rituals are basically following is our miniature versions of the hero's journey right like you've got this call and then you've got this ritual death and then you've got this resurrection and then you know you've got this process where you're resurrected and then you take the you know, the thing to the, to the people it's, it's rituals follow the same type of pattern. Like, I mean, we just talked about baptism earlier, which follows, you know, a very similar pattern, right? Like you're, you're called out by God, you're discipled, right? You're mentored by, by the church. You're, you know, you're, you know, the way that the church traditionally did things was they would baptize a catechumen on Easter after a year long process of discipleship, which really, really fits that hero's journey type of, type yeah. of uh you know structure um and then after that you know it's like your your commission to go out and to take this message you know to the world you know that type of thing so like the liturgy is kind of like structured in that way even um this whole thing is kind of like a fractal in some way like it's you know anyway uh but so yeah so they they meet the the mentor and the this is just kind of a very broad overview of what's going on with Hellier, right? Like there's a lot of things that we could dive into. Um, but yeah, so they end up at the end of season two tracking, you know, doing all the, the research work and, you know, tracking, you know, really following this, the phenomena that's going on there and it leads them to a very interesting place, <laughs> which is basically they come to the conclusion that behind all of this phenomena going on in Hellier and other places like Hellier um, is, is the ancient, one of the ancient gods of the Greeks, which is Pan. Pan, yeah. Right? They, they come to the conclusion that Pan is behind, you know, the one who is like behind some of this phenomena. And so they end season two, um, actually doing a ritual to reach out to pan. Like, and it's, it's so, it's so interesting to see, right? Like it's, um, like they, they end up in like a cave, like below the earth, right? Like it's like going into the yeah. underworld. And they're calling out to this, you know, quote unquote God, um, seeking, you know, direction, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything you want to add to that or, or to throw in there talking about that, but I find there's a lot of reasons why I find this interesting. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot to get into with Hellier. And I think for this episode, we should just give uh, yeah. kind of a general outline or overview of the whole thing yeah, and then, then dive into some of the elements later on. But yeah, one of the things that I saw initially from uh, even just the posters and the graphics when it first came out was uh, begin your initiation or the initiation yeah. begins. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that I saw too. And I was like highly skeptical 
because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, what are we being initiated into here? You know, because I noticed that right off. I was like, this seems very intentional. I was like, something is going on here. This is something is odd about this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was kind of my thoughts as well. And so the uh, so here's kind of my take on it. I guess um, my take on it is, and this is just very over. Like we we've, we've really just dipped our toe in the water people need to go watch it first um, so that we can have yeah. this conversation with people who know exactly what we're talking about because there's so much that we can dive into, but that's kind of a whole overview of like who the people are, how the journey starts, people they meet on the journey, where the journey ends up so far. Um, right. So I, I think that what the, I think this is my personal opinion. I think that the purpose of Hellier um, is going to be whenever I guess season three is done. I think that its purpose is going to be able to, is going to be to reintroduce um, a re-enchanted view of the world to people, which I've been talking about a lot recently, Um, but it's going to do it through the lens of Thelemic magic, Thelemic occultism. Um, Because here's the deal. I, I nailed, I nailed the Loki pattern right like like we talked about. Yep. And, and i see the exact same thing with hellier it's following the pattern of the hero's journey and so like you have the call to adventure with the emails you've got the meeting of the mentor with alan greenfield who tells them that they're on the hero's journey and they're being initiated into something and then you have the the main um characters of the show at the end of season two um experiencing a ritual death they go into the caves beneath the earth and they're trying to contact a god right um yeah right and um and the interesting thing is greg has talked about this greg newkirk has um his his father was a minister right and so he grew up in a christian family and he talked and he's even referred to this event as a type of ego death right that he he like you have to watch the episode if you guys are listening like he's literally down in like a cave calling upon invoking pan um and so he talks about it as being a type of death like that it's the death of his christian past is basically what he says of it um so that's where season two leaves off okay so it's following the path of the hero's journey we've got the call to adventure we've got the meeting of the mentor uh, and now we've got the ritual death. Like, and so here's what I think is going to happen with Hillier. And the reason why we're talking about this guys is because combined, these episodes have well over a million views combined. Like each episode has like multiple hundreds of thousands of views. So this isn't something that's like that people aren't watching. It's something that's very popular, even though you may have never heard of it. I think that the purpose of Hellier is going to be to reinduce a uh, or to reintroduce a reenchanted view of the world to people through witchcraft, and it's going to do it following yep. the hero's journey. Uh, so I yep. think that the next phase that you're going to see, if I'm right, and I could be wrong, but I th- if it continues to follow the pattern of the hero's journey, what's going to happen is they're going to come out of the ritual death, resurrected. 
And then, you know, there's some other things there in the hero's journey that will happen. There's another threshold, you know, that kind of thing that they've got to pass through. But um, what happens is initiation is finally complete. And what happens is, is the thing that's off that, that is gained on the journey is offered to the world. Right. That's how the hero literally journey. reminds me of a tweet that uh, Greg just put out tonight. I got really? right here. It says the world is craving new magic. Ah, uh, see, that's, that's interesting. Um, that's yep. inter- That's really, really interesting. Um, uh, because I, I saw a while back that he actually was using a lot of the language that I'm using about like re-enchantment, um, like on Instagram and on like social media, he, he actually posted, uh, like he, he held like a sigil creation class, I think for their patrons. I, it might've been for their patrons. I, I, I don't remember. I don't, I'm not a, anyway. Um, but it was, it was a sigil creation class. And basically like, you know, Rich, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sigils are basically symbols used in, in witchcraft that are, there's focused intention on the, in them, right? Like I've seen them used like, a, I've come across them a lot in chaos magic. And like people put a lot of focused intention on them. They're very personal, right? And they're used to signify, it seems to me something that you're wanting or desiring to manifest. Right. Like, yeah. Um, like I've seen people, like, on. Yeah. yeah. Like I've seen people like, um, create sigils and put them on paper. Um, and it's this focused intention, right? Like, like somebody say maybe wants a new beginning. Right. And so what they'll do is they'll create this symbol for that. And it's got this focused intention put into it and then they'll burn it to, to activate it. Right. Um, I've, I've seen some of that type of stuff. And so, I I hope that's accurate. <laughs> if not, you can correct me. Um, that's but, pretty good. Yeah. 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 So, um, but this, but basically that's what it is, is it's, it's a, there's symbolism involved with it and there's meaning involved with it. And I saw that Greg was actually doing a class here not too long ago, teaching people how to create sigils. And the caption that he had for it was something along the lines of at the end of it. Now go and go re-enchant the world. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's like the thing that he gained on this journey, this hero's journey that they're on right now. Uh, he wants people to, to, he wants to, he wants to give it to people, right? The world is craving magic, he says, and he wants to give it to them. And the type of magic he that they, that seems to me um, is going to be given to people is thalemic magic. <laughs> Yeah, something along those lines. Something, all, yeah, something along those something lines. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, so I, that's that's where I'm thinking that hell year is going to end up, um, and that's important for listeners um, because, like I said, this uh, there's there's a lot of viewers who have seen hell year, and so I, I say that because I want to say this: um, the world is going to be reenchanted, one way or another. Right? People are coming out of what has been called the meaning crisis where people realize that the world had no meaning, right? If there is no God, um, if all there is is matter and that's it, um, then there's no meaning to the world. Um, and you know, you hear people all the time that talk about like, well, you, we make our own meaning, you know, that type of stuff. Well, the problem is, is that we're terrible at making our own meaning, (laughs) Like, and, and you see that 
you see that all over the pe- the place. People try to make their own meaning and they're so unhappy in trying to do so. It's just, we're not able to do it. We have to have meaning imposed upon us from the outside, from, from a creator. Um, and so, um, so people are waking up out of this meaning crisis and people are wanting to present to the world a re-enchanted view of the world and that's what Hellier's doing honestly that's what that's what the whole ce5 stuff's doing right that's what dr greer's doing as well he's he's presenting a story right that you can view the world through and he gives you some disciplines to use to 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 get in touch with this higher thing that's going on right the the ufs and Hellier's doing a very similar thing um only it's doing it not necessarily through the scientific, uh, you know, type of way that Dr. Greer is like, uh, he's doing it through, they're doing it through magic. Um, and they're doing it through, uh, contacting and calling upon and invoking, um, ancient beings and things like that. And this is something you're going to run into more and more, right? Like, I mean, like, like I'm saying, re-enchantment is inevitable. Like the world cannot continue on with no meaning. And so, so what I want to say is that as Christians, we have a enchanted view of the world. We have something truly enchanted to offer to the world and Christianity has it. And we've talked about it some in the spiritual being series so far, right? Like for a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say um, that, what we've said in some of these episodes has really rocked their world and changed the way that they view the world. And I say, good, (laughs) I say, I say good, right. I say you, that's, that's needed. Um, we, we, we have to have a view of the world that is more than just matter. And I'm afraid that a lot of Christians, that's the worldview that a lot of us have. Like, I think that people think that there is a, there's a God, um, who resides, in heaven somewhere, but that's really all that's going on. There's not angels. There's not demons. They certain. And if there are, they certainly don't interact in our day to day life. Um, and you know, man, this touches on everything. You know, I've been talking about this topic a lot recently, like reenchantment. Like if we read the Bible and we know the Bible and we know the scriptures, we know that it presents an enchanted vision of the world. Like worship on Sundays on the Lord's day is more than just going to a building and checking that off our checklist. Like scripture talks about that whenever we come to the church and we worship that we are coming to the heavenly Mount Zion, that we are coming to the city of the living God. This is Hebrews 12. And that whenever we come there to worship, that we worship in the presence of myriads upon myriads, thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful celebration. That is an entirely different vision for what worship looks like than what the modern church has. Like, like most people think, most people think view church as a place where I can come and get a a Christian version of a rock concert. Most churches nowadays are giving a worship, giving a worship experience where it's just me and Jesus with the lights turned down low. So I don't have to focus on anybody else around me, but I can just focus on the repetitive music and focus on in on Jesus in my heart. And that's not the Bible's vision of worship. 
the Bible's vision of worship is that we are coming to the heavenly Mount Zion. And it's not just me and Jesus, but it's a true, to use some words in Loki, it's a true nexus event. It's, it's, a, it's an event where the past, the present, and the future all converge. Because it's not just us and Jesus. Jesus is certainly there. We're certainly there. But it's a place, worship is a place where the present manifestation of the historical church is at, but we also worship in the presence of the eschatological church. Right? The writer of Hebrews says that we, with it, there's this great cloud of witnesses who are there as well. Right? And then not only that, but we're worshiping in the presence of the angels as well. And then not only that, but the scriptures talk about that the age to come, the future, is actually breaking in to this present moment. It's a true nexus event. That is an entirely different way to view worship. It's so much more enchanted than just me and Jesus with the lights down low. Right? Like I'm worshiping, <laughs> yeah. I'm worshiping with the, my, my, the, our, our ancestors in the faith with Isaac, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, like Noah, like they're a part of this, this great cloud of witnesses and I'm worshiping the same God that they have worshiped and we're worshiping and are worshiping. Like it's not just some individualistic thing. It's, it's communal to me. It's not surprising that people like say Greg and Dana Newkirk, look at the church and they don't want anything to do with that. Like, right. I mean, like what they have is a more enchanted vision of the world than what modern Christianity has to offer. But anyway, but to me, it's not surprising that people don't want that. They're seeking. And we're going to, and we're going to get into a bunch of different aspects about Hellier. I think, but as uh, just to, as an overview, I think we've really, until that we got a conversation started today. Yeah. I think this gives people a chance to actually go it that haven't seen it to go and see the yeah. episodes. Yeah. And then when we come back, we'll pick up, definitely get into it, into yeah. the different details. Yeah. I, I'll just, I, I guess I'll just end by saying that Chris, we have, we have an enchanted view of the world to, to offer to people. Um, and it's good that people like Greg and Dana Newkirk challenges and make us think about this type of stuff. Right. Um, it's, it's good that they make us think about this, this type of stuff. We have symbolism. We have uh, Christianity. I mean, it re-enchants our identity, right? I mean, like whenever we're in Christ Jesus, we move from children of wrath to sons of God. Like that's a re-enchanted identity. And that's the reason why the scriptures talk about we're, we're given thrones. Like the saints are pictured on thrones in heaven, in Revelation, and they're given crowns, Right. Like you, we, you're ruling and reigning with Christ. And, you know, not only that, but scripture talks about that now we are, we are priest kings, right? Like we are priests who stand between heaven and earth and who are a link and a bridge between the two. We are ruling and extending Christ's dominion as kings and queens. Um, and so Christianity has plenty of enchantment to offer. And, yeah. So that's all I've got to say. There's, we've, we've got the enchantment and uh, we need not be afraid of it. We need to be familiar uh, with our, our worldview and what our scriptures teach. And we need to be familiar with what others are saying as well. That way that we can have these types of conversations that we're going to be having.
You know, and this isn't us coming out swinging on on Greg and Dana either. I mean, no. I'm, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Greg we, and Dana. Yeah, I don't think that we actually really said much negative, honestly. No. Um, I mean, yeah. they run in a lot of the same circles that we do. I mean, with the research, they're into John Keel and, you know, a lot of the same things that we study week in and week out. I can keep going on. I'm trying to restrain myself, as you can tell. I'm trying my yeah, best I know. to restrain Me myself. Me too. It's, it's tough. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely hard to start up a conversation starter like this and just to leave it to, and to wait yeah. for everybody to go see the episodes and then come back to it because there's a lot of stuff that we could jump into right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. But in the meantime, we want to give you guys time to go check some of this stuff out. Right? You guys need to go check this type of, type of stuff out because we're going to be talking about this stuff in some more of our chin wags coming up over the next few weeks because it's going to take some time to have these conversations and we want to have them. And we want to look at some of this stuff from a Christian perspective and to analyze it and to just have some conversations about it and to think about it in public. So, um, so we want to give you time guys some time to go check some of this stuff out it's all on youtube it's all for free uh you can you can see it there and you guys can get in on the conversation as well so as we wrap up today i want to say that today's chinwag should serve as a nice backdrop for what we're going to be discussing in our upcoming sword and staff episode which is cue the drum roll cryptids things like <laughs> cryptids cryptids yeah things like uh the mothman uh bigfoot um fairies um elves dwarves things like that the loch ness monster um how those things fit into the bible's category of spiritual beings so that's going to be spiritual beings episode number 3 that's going to be coming out this time next week and to the surprise of many, these things actually do fit into the Bible's worldview of spiritual beings. <laughs> so we've talked right about, yeah, we've actually talked about it a little bit in the first episode that we talked about. Um, but we're going to talk about it more in the next episode. So that should be a fun episode. Uh, we hope that you guys are excited about it because we're really excited about it because we have a lot of really legendary cryptids in our own backyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. West Virginia is kind of the, the paranormal hotspot yeah. in the East. So we've definitely got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. So should be fun. And a lot that actually ties into what they look into in Hellier. So there's another. Yeah, another connection point here. Yeah, we're definitely going to yep. be talking about the Mothman and things like maybe the Flatwoods Monster. Um, we might dive in in the next episode. We might dive into uh, in the, the uncut section. We might dive into some appalachian cryptids and talk about some of them maybe maybe even look at some of the evidence to see what kind of evidence there is out there for this type of stuff i think that a lot of people will be shocked uh to find out that for example the flatwoods monster was considered by many the very first one of the very first high strangeness cases in the united states and that it was very very well documented uh that there were actually police officers um, who who were there at this there were like local teachers and like there's a lot of stuff around that case that actually suggests that there was a real phenomenon uh that happened in flatwoods West yeah. virginia so should be fun um and so if you're if you want that conversation where we're going to dive into some of this uh west virginia cryptid stuff in the next episode hey you need to become a patron 
at our Patreon, <laughs> right? So if you want that conversation, you need to head over to www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order for just five bucks a month. You can get the sword and staff uncut, which is 30 extra minutes, at least 30 extra minutes. We should say 30 extra minutes of content that Richie and I do not give out uh, for free on whatever podcast platform, uh, podcasting platform that you might be listening to. And so if you want the full conversations, if you want to hear the things that we're not going to say on Spotify or Apple podcast need to become a patron. Also episodes drop sooner for patrons than they do on uh, our, the normal podcasting platforms. So um, head over to patreon.com backslash sword and staff order and become a patron, get the sword and staff uncut and get in on this conversation that we're going to be having starting next week. So, all right. Well, Richie, you got anything else you want to add before we head off here tonight? It's after midnight. So you got anything you want to add? I know, before? This is, this is awesome. Yeah. It feels, it feels a lot more natural at night because we're usually it talking. Does. Yeah. It feels a lot more natural. Uh, I don't know if I even really looked at our outline at all on this episode, which was probably a negative because I was probably all over the place on this episode. Hey, that's so, what these episodes are about. Yeah. That's what the chin wags are about. They're, they're natural yep. free flowing conversations. So I just, I wanted to dive in so deep on, on the topic of hell I have so much that I want to say, but I know I'm, me too, I'm but I realize, to go for it. but I realize it's kind of an introduction to the series and kind of a generalized overview and, some predictions and some of that type of thing, but we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we hope that you guys will check out some of the things that we talked about in this episode and that you'll get in on the conversation with us. So yeah, you do your homework, check out Hellier, check out Dr. Greer and then get back with us. Yep. And let us know what you think about this episode. Do you guys agree with us on uh, Dr. Greer and the CE five movement? Um, if you've seen Hellier, what do you think about it? Do you, do you think that we're on the right track here? Um, so we've got a lot of things to continue to add to this conversation. And so Richie, if you don't have anything else, I don't either. I'm good. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week.